welcome to Leader Insider Secrets, where we get to the source of success. Hear from leaders who bear all and share their insider secrets, along with my episodes aimed at optimizing your performance, productivity, success, and well-being. Hi, my name's Estelle Reed at B.Company, and I'm an executive coach, trainer, and author of Inner Brilliance, How to Shine, which explores 10 antidotes to imposter syndrome, workaholism, and stress. Okay, let's begin. Hello, lovely people. We've got Will Mellers Blair with us today. He is the co-founder and CEO of Fitpack. Before co-founding Fitpack, Will was headhunted to develop strategy for the UK government and also two Geneva-based tech startups. I'm really excited about this interview. Um, Prior to his vocational career, Will played football professionally, both in the UK and over in the United States. Will attended and graduated from the University of Michigan. And it was there where he found his passion for formulating strategies for universal human health optimization. His research and models have been utilized in organizations globally, and he has given talks to many renowned institutions. And he was just sharing with me, folks, that he does a lot of this off the cuff. And I always always admire that kind of thing. And he's also just slipped into conversation that he's been invited to do a TEDx talk which is just amazing so welcome hey nice to be here Estelle oh thank you so much for coming on and just to give the audience members context we we got connected as a result of a previous podcast with Paul Snape the CEO of the bridge and when I was interviewing him he was telling me about something that you were running in his business and I was really intrigued and he was telling about feedback and I was like wow that's really innovative um so do you want to start by telling us a little bit about feedback of course so what we're trying to achieve at feedback essentially Estelle is to shape the future workplace so you did mention there my background so when I essentially was first um, exposed the corporate world i saw how my colleagues kind of ran around to get to work raced to get into the office you know drank five six seven coffees a day didn't drink enough water went to go and get a meal deal from greg so i saw all these very to me anyway abnormal behaviors to then try and achieve kind of productivity so what we wanted to do at fitpack essentially was to take you know, good habitual routines like taking breaks, like being mindful, like having a healthy breakfast, like drinking water, etc. And putting this into a technological platform that HR could utilize to empower their employees to incorporate better work habits. So that's essentially what we're doing is we are working directly with HR teams to provide them the tools to then deploy into their work spaces for their employees to then take more breaks, to be more mindful, to engage in a bit of stretching, just to ultimately help mental and physical health, which then will bolster their productivity at work. Yeah, that's it's it just sounds so exciting. And I think I might have shared with you when we spoke before that 20 years ago when I was heading up an HR team, and similarly, I could see people running around. I was stressed out myself. And I said, why don't we have lunchtime yoga? <laughs> Yeah, and, and people looked, they looked at me like I was a bit bonkers, but it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, equally, I could see that people needed something like that. So, you said you saw abnormal behaviors. So, what's your not what, what was it that made it feel abnormal for you? I think it would be better served if I kind of depict my routine for as a, in a day my health yeah no, that'd be great sure so typically I get up at about six o'clock sometimes my body clock gets me up at like 5 30 so between half five and six I'm awake before pressing snooze which I don't press snooze I press stop um before getting out of bed I meditate for 30 minutes now Estelle 
Wow. Um, so yeah, it started out being five minutes, 10 minutes, but now it's half an hour a day. And that's not necessarily because I want to be a monk and I want to live in the Himalayas, but this is to essentially calm my brainwave state down because we sleep typically between six and eight hours a day as human beings. And what happens is we go through different brave wave, st brave wave states. So, you know, beta to gamma to delta to theta, really deep sleep. And sometimes if we wake up during REM or rapid eye movement, sometimes it's quite distressing for the body. So heart rate might be a bit elevated. So for a lot of people who are waking up like that in a stressed state, for those people who then go and get toast and go and get their coffee, they are already at a disadvantage, okay? So me meditating for that long, for that duration of time allows me to get in a very relaxed state. Yeah. What I do then is I consume some lemon water um, to, to hydrate. I then do a yeah. bit of like, stretching on my yoga mat. I then go and get a really cold shower. So... So, and that, and that's all done before like seven o'clock. Okay. So wow. an hour of my waking existence, <laughs> I'm fueling my mind and my body ready to perform my day. So when we go back to the kind of, you know, what abnormal behaviors, I saw all of my colleagues just, just headless chicken running around stressed and anxious and just, I don't see any water bottles on the desk. All I see is Coca-Cola bottles and coffees. And it's like, they're, those things are fine in moderation, but if I could help people incorporate just simpler habits into their day-to-day, -day, like, hey, guys, have a water bottle next to you. Have a coffee, too, but have a water bottle next to you. Hey, yeah. you have your meetings back-to-back? -back? You have 15 minutes break. Awesome. Take five minutes away from the laptop. These yeah. simple habits to incorporate that significantly boost productivity. been proven scientifically. Yeah. I love that. And just explain the thinking, because I went through a lemon water drinking phase. Well, I overdid it and I did an intolerant, I became intolerant. Oh, interesting. To, um, to lemon water. So I had to cut it out. But the thing with intolerance is that you can then, you know, reintroduce it. And I, I just never have. But what's the thinking behind the lemon water for you? What, what's, um, what does it do for you? Yeah, I mean, well, lemons typically are infused um, with vitamin C. Yeah. And vitamin C is the detoxif detoxifying um, kind of mineral. Right. So I'm able to detoxify on an empty stomach. Right. Or consuming more foods. Yeah. What happens is a lot of people just eat straight away before hydrating and the brain is dehydrated naturally from sleep. Right. So if I'm able to not only consume water, but also add that vitamin C as well, then I'm putting my body at a service and not a disservice. Yeah. I love it. Loads of nuggets of genius already, folks. <laughs> um, and so uh, the other thing, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I might have got this right from me. So I, I'd read it. Is, is it good for your immune system as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. Again, so I was going to go on to that next. So vitamin C is the immune boosting mineral. Right. So, um, yeah. Vitamin C, vitamin C, vitamin C. As much as you can get of it, please do. In moderation, of course. Everything in moderation. You don't want to be eating, you know, 10 oranges. Um, <laughs> but as much vitamin C as you can kind of consume, the better. Yeah, no, great. And um, a question on, because I listened to Chris Evans and they went through a cold showering phase. So what, again, just explain to the audience the theory behind cold showering sure so for anyone that's heard of wim hof or better known as the ice man um his essentially his his thesis and theory is that we as human beings are able to control our minds more than we believe we can okay because a lot of human um kind of behavior is dictated by subconscious programs in the brain so what he does to essentially build that mental discipline is a thing called cold showering. Obviously you have the physical benefits, but he leans more on the mental benefits. And what I experience when I jump in a cold shower, and by the way, Estelle, I don't kind of go in a warm shower. It's literally on cold. Like it's the coldest it can go. Yeah. So as I jump in it, 
you have to use very controlled breathing patterns because if right. not, you just want to jump out of it again. So for me, obviously, it's going to boost my immunity anyway, the cold shower, but it's more for mental discipline. Yeah. Because in my role, I'm being challenged most times during the day. So if I'm not mentally disciplined with my day to day, then I'm again, putting myself at disservice. So when I jump in that cold shower for the first four or five seconds, it's absolutely freezing. Mm. But then as soon as you have your breathing right and you inhale and exhale very controlled in a controlled way, all, all of a sudden it doesn't feel like a cold shower. It feels warm. And your brain is just so used to that kind of cold sensation yeah. that it becomes normal and you get to a level of homeostasis from there. So yeah, I get in the cold shower for, for about two, three minutes a day, I'd say. Gosh. Sometimes longer if I'm enjoying it. You know, it's much more pleasant when it's hot outside. Yes. So when you're waking up and it's pitch black and it's cold <laughs> outside, it's sometimes difficult. Um, yeah. But one thing that I found is that you can kind of trick your brain. So what I've got is I've got like a little light next to my shower that I turn on. So it's as if it's warmer in the room than it actually is yeah so you're telling yourself you're giving yourself a different message aren't you that's it I'm framing the messaging like this cold shower is going to be warmer than it actually is even though it's not the case it's still going to be very very cold but just that kind of brain discipline that brain training that I try to incorporate today yeah and I can tell already how you know even listening to your morning routine how disciplined you are where does that come from because obviously you've been you know professional footballer you know where where does where did your discipline start yeah I think discipline and regimentation um can be looked at as healthy modalities as well as unhealthy modalities and I definitely hold my hands up and say that in my past my level of regimentation was unhealthy but the reason why I stick to kind of a set routine am especially is kind of actions lead to reactions, right? And yeah. in- inputs lead to outputs. So if I look logically at my morning routine, I'm waking up and not engaging on my phone. I'm doing something for my mental well-being. I'm then consuming water for my physical well-being. And then getting in the shower for my cold shower for my mental and physical well-being. If I look at that as a structure, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I've done, you know, 15 to 25 activities in that week that's benefiting my mental and physical health so that's the way I look at it it's not necessarily necessarily I have to do this because if not I'm failing or if not I'm not worthy it's I'm doing these activities that are benefiting my mental and physical health directly so that's the reason why I've kept it up and it's so kind of ingrained is because I know logically speaking that after I tick off these boxes, I'm going to get the benefits. Logically speaking, the reason why I'm so disciplined in my morning routine is because if you look at it, if I do, if I wake up and don't press snooze, if I uh, meditate, if I then consume some lemon water, if I then cold shower and have a bit of a stretch, that's essentially five activities a day. Times that by five, Monday to Friday, it's 25 activities a week that I know I've ticked off the box that is contributing to my mental and physical health improvement or enhancement, so to speak, or even maintenance, really. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. I don't look at it as I need to do this. And if I don't do it, I failed. It's no, I want to do this because it's benefiting me. Yeah. And you've completely just reframed something for me. You know, when you were talking about stacking up activities as well. So because I love that sense of achievement. Yeah, <laughs> so, I like I, so I like, you know, rather than thinking about, oh, I've got to do something. I love the fact that you're counting all those activities up. Is that, is that part of Fit Pack? Is that something that's been built into the system or how does it that work? That's part of our product roadmap. So right. we want essentially to empower HR teams to empower their people. Now, we're moving into a new kind of corporate setting. We're not in the office all the time. And I firmly believe, Estelle, we won't be in the office all the time ever again. Yeah. I really believe it will be a hybrid structure of office and home. Yeah. Um, A lot of US companies have said you can work from home all the time. So actually, I 
go as far as saying in the future, we might be leaning more towards a home kind of working structure anyway. Um, so the idea that HR teams now have got to look at this problem set a bit differently, I think companies should be rewarding their employees for habits or performing habits such as hydrating well or hydrating enough, taking enough breaks, doing things for their mental health. I think these should be rewarded. So as part of the next version of the product, we want to have a function where based on kind of activities completed or behaviors shown, over time, rewards are given out as a result, yeah. like gamified as well, of course. Yeah. 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 I can think of one client in particular that would love that element. Amazing. Um, yeah. No, that's that's really quite exciting. So, uh, so this year I've read um, Atomic Habits and um the more what's it called that morning routine book i'm looking around um is it the miracle morning that's it yes so i so i was wondering one who your influencers are so who's who's influenced you in terms of your morning routine i guess and have you read those books i have read those books i like to read a book a week (laughs) wow flipping it that's good it's my thing so um yeah my my reading speed is 100 pages an hour yeah so i so i can literally i remember vividly actually this is a very anecdotal side note so do humor me um i remember going to the um to the airport to go to fly to america two three years ago and i always go to wh smith and get a book and just think yeah i'll read on the plane i actually read the book before i got on the plane (laughs) yeah yeah have you learned to speed read, speed read then? Or is that just, you've always read like that? Yeah. I mean, have you watched Matilda? Of course you've watched Matilda. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had a library around the corner from my house growing up. So I would go and rent out 12 books every week. No. And, and I'd read 12 books in a week as a little boy. And I'd go back to the next week, get 12 more and do that. So I guess, obviously, as I, like, a, like a muscle, it's just trained. trained yeah. Trained. So I don't like speed read. I, I read every single word and it digests. Yeah. Um, but in particular, who's my influences for my routines? Um, I guess when I graduated university, uh, I surrounded myself with experts in the fields of performance nutrition, performance psychology, epidemiology, all the science and health fields, really. And I kind of took golden nuggets from all of these people um, and kind of also looked at very successful entrepreneurs and CEOs to see what they did um, as well in terms of their work-life structure. Um, And I've kind of like pieced it all together to make it match me, if that makes sense. So getting inspiration, testing it. I like to test. So for instance, um, I'm actually now plant-based, wholeheartedly plant-based. Are you? Yeah, I turned in in November of 2016. So way before the plant-based. Wow, that was quite early. Yeah, there was there was no kind of plant-based alternative meats in stores when I was when I was doing it. But the reason why I changed is I did a thirty-day trial. So I cut out all meat, all dairy uh, for thirty days just to test it. So I, I like to see, uh, I like to see the, the the tangible kind of changes, but also the intangible changes like feeling as well. Mm. Um, so after thirty days, I was it was remarkable the changes. You know, better sleep. My um, energy levels were through the roof. I'd lost a bit of visceral fat, so I was a bit leaner. Just loads of little things that I thought were would would warrant me moving towards this level of lifestyle. Um, yeah, I've got nothing against meat eaters. I've got nothing against people that consume um, or so not consume eat eggs and 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 milk and drink milk. I don't I don't mind like it's each to their own. You know, whatever yeah. you want, do you do that? But personally speaking, it was a decision that I made and is one that I've um, I've definitely enjoyed um, over time. Yeah. <clears throat> we um, have just subscribed to, we've always done HelloFresh, but we've now moved over to GreenFresh. Interesting. And um, that's even healthier than HelloFresh. And yeah, it's been, we've ended up going down the, we're hardly eating any meat. Interesting. Um, and I'm finding that you're getting cravings for it. Well, the, another interesting point. So um, many years ago, I had to cut out lots of 
different food groups because I uh, I got ME chronic chronic fatigue understood and so I was recovering from that and um so the family you know has had to come along with me basically mm-hmm. and because I was cooking um although my husband cooks as well in all fairness he's a great chef um but the other week we had my mother-in-law staying with me and I thought right I better get cakes and okay. biscuits in and I bought all this junk food in crisps yeah and she left and bless her there was a lot of stuff in there that she couldn't eat because it had got soy in it and but I expected the other two my daughter and my husband to have snaffled all the treats and two weeks later I said I'm really proud of our family that stuff's still in the cupboard (laughs) I love that I love that and and what we've done over time we've realized that we've re-educated our tastes and our taste buds are just different and they both said because I can't eat it anyway they've both said no it's it's just too sickly and sweet interesting see how um the palate and the brain changes over time once you make changes interesting yeah but also your biome because it influences doesn't it of course your gut as well yeah absolutely yeah yeah no um I was going to ask you something else so you know you said I love that anecdote about reading you know 12 books a week where does that come from how did you start that whole thing because I used to hate going to the library (laughs) I've got a little story to tell go on so stories yeah so um, it, my mum and I were pretty much best mates growing up. We're still pretty much mm. best mates now, but growing up, it was just my mum and I. Yeah. And bless her, she would always allow me to do my thing. I wasn't a kid who wanted to go out and walk around the streets or anything like that. I was a kid that wanted to read. So one day, I think she told me this story. She said I was five years old, or maybe four years old. And she walked into my room and I was reading a book and she was like, and I was reading the dictionary. Okay. And she was like, son, what are you reading? And I said, I'm reading the dictionary. And she was like, well, why do you want, why are you reading the dictionary? And I was like, mum, I want to know more words than anyone else. And where did that come from? I think it's just how my brain's programmed, if I'm honest. I think a bit of it, maybe the genetics, it might be how my DNA is expressing itself. Yeah. Uh, but I... From a young boy, I've just always wanted to read. It's like young, it's like little girls that just naturally dance. Yeah. Naturally sing. Yeah. I just naturally wanted to read. Yeah. So as a little boy, as I've obviously <laughs> gone into um, I was gonna say kindergarten then, but we're not in the States, are we? When I got into <laughs> nursery and then yeah. primary school, I'd already read, I think by like year two, I'd already read all the books in the school. I think wow. um, and then um, they had to get me like special books from secondary school year seven at like age 10 for me, uh, which was pretty cool. But having the library around the corner just allowed me because I would read and obviously kids books aren't really thick. Are they? They're not 200, 300 page books. They're like 50 to 100 page books. So I'd read one a night. I'd finish school at like half three. I'd come back. I'd read a book. And then if I was allowed to stay awake for a little bit longer, I might start the next one. That is, it's really cool. Yeah, so it was like it was like a book and a half a day, from the ages of like seven until probably twelve, and then in secondary school, obviously you've got loads of coursework, so you didn't have that kind of extracurricular time to read. Your reading was the coursework. Um, so then I'd say I'd stay, I'd stayed at like one or two books a week during um, secondary school, and I'd say now pretty much a book a week a book per 10 days is my average yeah so what are you reading at the minute the moment I'm actually reading let me get my bag out I'm actually reading my my sister's book she's just become an author oh wow yeah so here it is it is called I am not my diagnosis reversing the irreversible by Carly Mellors Blair oh wow Carly is a holistic health specialist she uh, works with experts all over the globe and essentially she got diagnosed um a few years back well many years back now with multiple sclerosis she had ms yes so she she initially went the traditional medical route um she started to do a lot of research herself 
and she realized that there was a potentiality that through her lifestyle changes through environment changes getting less stress um, that she could ultimately reverse the symptoms clinically and she's done that and she's achieved it wow so yeah. she now works with clients all over the world to essentially help them change their mindset change their environments change how much they, they get stressed, change their diets, et cetera, to help people move towards better health and well-being, both mentally and physically. Um, so her book signing, well, her pre-launch book signing was last week. Oh, uh, cool. So I've got, I got my, my signed copy here. Oh, that's uh, nice. So that's what I'm reading, yeah. So um, I like the idea of a pre-launch book signing. Hadn't thought about that. Pre-launch, invite close friends, family, maybe it's a bit of the press. Yeah. Have a Q and A. It was really cool. We shared, <laughs> shared um shared some prosecco in the corner, a few cupcakes. Yeah. Um, she then had like a Q and A. A few of her clients came to like give testimonials. She then read a piece, a bit of the book, which was really cool. Oh, um, nice. But then yeah, the launch is in March. Yeah, mine is too. Wow. Int- <laughs> so March, I'm behind. I'm behind. So I love it. <laughs> so what? Um, where did she do her? pre-launch then did she do it in a bookshop or in a venue? So the pre-launch was at a um a networking space here in nottingham right. um, it's called antenna right a co-working space so she like had a a nice size room with loads of people there kind of pictures she had a photographer and a videographer there as well oh, wow, um, brilliant. loads of banners like the one you've got behind you there ah. uh, as well so yeah really really cool i was think sat listening to you and i thought wow your mum be so proud of you two you know because you know your sister's working worldwide come on let's get into your average day because you've been talking worldwide haven't you yeah tell us Uh, about your average day sure so (laughs) well I've already I've already kind of named my morning routine to get me prepared for my day um so at the moment I'm moving the company through another investment round um, and what that entails essentially is meetings all day with investors all over the world. So for instance, the past couple of days, I've had meetings with investors in Estonia, meetings with investors in Madrid, San Francisco, um, in Moscow, in Russia. I've had meetings in Singapore. I had one meeting in China, um, meetings in New York and a few in Europe rest of Europe so not really much in in the UK because we're kind of gearing more towards rest of world and um and the US in particular but at the moment my job is literally meetings with investors kind of presenting the idea presenting the business case um presenting our current customer base and how we've helped um, our early customers kind of presenting the opportunity not only financially but phenomenologically as well um kind of how we're different so I, I'd say maybe like 60 to 80% of my day at work at the moment is presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say the kind of the remaining 15, 20% is more kind of um, preparing for upcoming presentations or preparing for um, conversations with new potential clients. Um, but I'd say at the moment, the full focus in my day to day is investor relations and ensuring that we've got the right venture partners for this next phase. And what is the kind of bigger vision for the future? Where where are you wanting to take FitPack to? Sure. <laughs> um, so my goal essentially is to empower as many individual people to better their workday routines. So I want to personally touch a billion people. Like that's kind of my overall wow. modus operandi kind of raison d'etre my reason for existence kind of thing. Um, So a billion people can be dissected into, let's say, 100 to 250,000 companies. So the overall mission really, Estelle, is to get into as many companies as we possibly can globally. Um, I've actually started, so I started having a UK operation. As of yesterday, we've now got a New York City, so US operation. Um, And I had a conversation with a man, um, a sales development representative a couple of days back to start the Dutch, so German speaking as well, as well as Benelux, so like Belgium, et cetera, and also the Nordics. So the goal really this next year, so 2022, is to have 
UK operation, US and Europe as well. Wow, that is phenomenal. And so you you kind of touched on purpose and mission in life there. Where do you think that comes from? I think personally, because I've been exposed to world leading experts in the health and well-being fields, I think my natural kind of fascination and how engrossed I am with the idea of health optimization for human beings, I think my purpose comes from that. And I think I have a skill set of doing it myself, proving it myself, and then delivering the research. Yeah. I think I've got, I'm thinking I'm very good at kind of encapsulating the reasons why we should do reasons why we should put our phones down after a meeting or the reasons why we should take our earphones out and just walk in silence. You know, these little things that I've done, tried and tested and have the research to back it. I think that is, I think that's where it comes from. It's just my fascination with the fields of health and wellness. I think it just comes from that stuff. And and where does the fascination for health and wellness come from? Where does that hark back to? Yeah, that definitely comes from my early playing days. So might not have mentioned as a nine-year-old, I signed to play football for Manchester United. Wow. Um, and I was at that point surrounded by arguably the world's best manager in Sir Alex Ferguson. Yes, I didn't train underneath him, but he yeah. was walking around the grounds when we were training and stuff. So I think being around elite level kind of athletes from that age kind of I kind of wanted to be the best. So at that point, I was always wondering, what can I do to be faster? What can I do to be fitter? What can I do to sleep better? What can I, do you know what I mean? These things. Yeah. That's how it started off for me. It started off with like research questions. What do I do in order for me to achieve X? X might be a faster 100 meters, whatever it is. Like, yeah. It, all, it started off of research questions. Once I found the answers to those research questions and started to implement them into my life, I then had the tools, what I needed, which I could then present to the populace, if that makes sense. Yeah. Have you thought about writing a book yourself? It's going to happen at some point, Estelle. Absolutely. I know a good book, coach. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I was saying to a client earlier that I procrastinated for 10 years over mine. Really? Um, and it was, yeah, and I, I think I was on manuscript three or four and I realised I was getting stuck again and then I took the plunge. I think what I'm going to do is, one step back, I actually already have a preface written. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a preface written and I, the book is called The Healthy Habit Loop. Ooh. Yeah. So what I've essentially done is I have crafted a universal health optimization hypothesis that basically takes into account 10 activities. And we'll talk about it at a different time. I don't want to go too much into it. But it's like 10 activities that every person can do each day that will guarantee better health and well-being. And this, it's things like not snoozing. Yes. It's things like meditating in the morning. It's things like um, having uh, hydrating. It's things like having a healthy breakfast. It's things like stretching and moving your body. Like simple things that you can kind of yeah. drag and drop into your existing schedule, tick off the boxes, and you'll just you'll guarantee you better health and well-being. And what I wanted to do in the preface was give an overview of me, my background. But I'm not going to go on to the next bit because I want to kind of grow FitPack ultimately. Fitpack will be acquired, so I'll sell the company. I think at yeah. that point, I'll be able to then add more colour yes. to what I want to write. Yeah. No, I really love it. And the not snoozing thing, um, you've, are you familiar with Mel Robbins? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she talks about, doesn't she, the, that moment where she was doing too much snoozing and that simple technique that she came up with, which was counting what is it backwards five three two four two one get out of bed Good pub. do it yeah yeah i um, so i read some more of the science behind the snooze and what it does to the brain and it puts your brain into a state called inertia well brainwave state inertia and essentially your brain for those kind of eight to ten minutes that you're in snooze it, it, it thinks you're back into it thinks you're back sleeping 
Right. So when you that alarm goes off again in 10 minutes and you wake up feeling groggy, it's because your brain literally thought it was time to go to sleep again. Right. But you're not ready for sleep because your brain waves are at beta, which is essentially almost waking states. Yes. So you're like confusing your brain, which is why the snooze is pretty much the de- it's the devil. It is the devil. Just don't best off, guys. Press stop and yeah. just lay in bed and breathe because you naturally wake up yourself. Yes. Yeah, no, I love I love that tip. Um, yeah, for sure, gonna try it. And I, you know, I love the idea of I has I hadn't realised that actually you could wake up in a stressed out state either. It's real. It's a real thing. You know, in any given moment, we are either either activating the parasympathetic nervous system or the sympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic yeah. nervous system essentially is the stress state. And the parasympathetic nervous system is the resting state. So at any one moment, you're activating one or the other. So in sleep, because of obviously dreams and being in that kind yeah. of parapsychological state, um, because of the, the brain activity, as you wake up, a lot of the times you're still kind of playing that out cognitively. So you're not actually ready to be in the waking reality, which is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need, you know, 15, 20 minutes to transition from the sleep state to the waking state. Yeah. Only we were taught this at primary school. I know all it's these insane. skills to optimize, you know, there was, when I was reading your, um, interview notes, there were so many things that resonated with me. Um, one of them was the optimization. So I, work with people to opt well you can probably see my strap line behind there but I optimize brilliance and it is all about those habits and routines I wish I knew more about the well-being stuff I've got a bit of knowledge um which I've used myself um but from your perspective what what would you say is the one of the best things that you can do to optimize performance I actually was on a podcast uh, last week and I got asked the same question and I kind of put it into three very easy to do no financial commitment at all it costs zero pounds and zero pence to do what I'm about to say yeah three things one meditate more people please do yeah. that five minute bursts yeah if, if we all know when we feel stressed or anxious or we feel a bit racy we all know when that happens because we get this like buzzy feeling in our bodies and in our minds and a lot of the time it we, we are not able to think clearly so in moments like that instead of continuing to engage in that stress response just just sit and breathe for a little bit it's insane how quickly you can change that state so number one yeah. is meditate more in short bursts yeah number two is go for more walks yeah Literally, it's crazy how just changing the environment and looking at some trees and people can change how you feel. Yes. And and that optimizes mental well-being. Yeah. And number three, please hydrate more, everyone. Yes. Those three things. More more mindfulness and meditation. Go for more walks because number one, your mind feels good and your body, you're getting blood flow to the body. And number three, hydrate. Those three things. If yeah. you do those three things consistently well, Optim- optimization is a given byproduct yeah. is a given. and what about those that um i'm going to include myself here <laughs> that struggle with meditation so i can be mindful so i wept so uh the, the backstory to this yeah. i went on a mindfulness course and i sat in a shed for six weeks not mm. for the whole six weeks but on a weekly course and i was like a corporate idiot sat on a plastic chair like that I mean corporate gear everyone else was on the floor in sweatpants and stuff and um and I could uh, so I completely bought into being living life mindfully and that's one of the things that I definitely have got what I struggle with is so I can so for example in between clients I will go downstairs sit on the sofa look out the window and I'll just focus on the trees and that's about much as I can do (laughs) how would do you have any tips on how you can take it to the next level sure yeah got you so on your phone go to timer okay yeah um put in two minutes and press go you then close your eyes in a comfortable position 
and you do square breathing. So picture a square right. like this. So you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna inhale for five. You're gonna hold yeah. your breath for five. You're gonna exhale for five. And you're gonna hold your yeah. breath for five. And you're gonna repeat that cycle just six times. That's two minutes. Cool, I love it. Literally, square, right. square breathing, square breathing, eyes closed. Three rounds is a minute, six rounds is two minutes. All of a sudden, your timer goes off. You've just meditated for two minutes. Yeah. So again, but what I love about that is you've made it tangible because that makes it like, yeah, right, okay, yeah, I can do that. That's it. That's it. Yeah. No, tangible. I mean, when I first started, I think for many of us as human beings, we're not accustomed to being mindful. So naturally, we're just all in our minds and all in our heads. So when it comes to closing our eyes, there's that many thoughts going on, like it's uncomfortable. So we just like wake up again. That's it. When I, when I first started, it was more kind of connected to my breath. So making sure that I'm being mindful of my inhale, mindful of my exhale. Because what happens is with the mind, I look at thoughts as clouds. So I look yeah. at a thought as a cloud. So I know that thought comes in, but it's going to go again because thoughts just transient and temporary. It's going to move and shift, right? So I now sit in silence for half an hour when I meditate. There's not any music. Um, it's just me, myself, some birds chirping outside. Um, and when a thought comes, I just notice it. I don't get anxious or stressed by it because I know that it's going to go because it's a cloud, right? Um, but again, I've been meditating yes. so many years now. So it's like I said earlier on, it's like a I'm trained and it's like a muscle. I've trained the muscle of meditation. So now it's pretty much second nature for me. Yeah. And you have such a lovely calm air about you. Thank you. Um, you can tell that you, you know, whatever you're doing is really working and you seem really together and balanced. And yeah. I appreciate that. That is, it hasn't always been like this. Thank you for the comment. I really do appreciate it. It hasn't always been like this. Um, during my early life, I experienced a lot of mental trauma, not necessarily from what I experienced outside in the real world, but what I, what I was experiencing inside. Because like I said earlier on, like my mm -hmm. brain was built like this. My brain's been studied in universities for how it functions. And earlier on in life, I would have that many thoughts and ideas come to me at once as a little boy. I just didn't know how to process it you know so what would happen is i'd get distracted and my teachers would say hey william why are you getting distracted get the here's a detention you know so they would negatively yes. reinforce how my brain was working so um i've been able over time and i've worked with psychotherapists i've worked with um psychosynthesis coaches to help me compartmentalize when these thoughts come in so i'm not having to be racing get stressed and anxious about them actually this thought can go there this thought can go here so now i'm able to process in this way so i can actually focus in the present moment on set task like now we are talking on your podcast so i'm focused here fitpack yeah. exists yeah. my phone doesn't exist the, the the task that i've got to do after this call doesn't exist so i'm just here and now so again that's been trained over time yeah, no, but I can, I really get that sense from you. Appreciate that. It's, you know, and I've caught, you know, and even to the extent where your state is influencing my state. And I've been wow. like, oh, all right, need to calm down. That's okay. That's, that's, so, a, really nice, really, that's a really nice comment. That's really nice. Yeah, no, really impressive. Yeah. So um, we are going to start to bring things to a close. Because I had a sneaky suspicion we'd go off because it, you know, I, I just knew you were going to be an interesting guy and that actually we wouldn't need a script behind. Um, there was one thing that I did want to follow up on. And uh, so I talk about values, beliefs being inextricably linked. So it's often described as like a mug tree. So you've got centre which is your value, and then you've got beliefs that are hooked around the value. But those beliefs come from those experiences. You've referred to some of them already, you know, and that's part of the podcast is to understand how is this brilliant person brilliant and what are those experiences that created who they are. And um, one of the questions is around what's 
a limiting belief that you've got over. And you were talking about the ability to shine brightly. You know, my book's called Inner Brilliance, How to Shine. Oh, wow. I need a copy of this, please. And that was... (laughs) Well, I'll send you a copy. Um, And, uh, you know, so... So where, tell me about that. It, it, this comes back down to observational learning, domestication, um, personal belief. So as, as little, little boys and girls, we run around the playground and we go home to our parents and we go to our families' houses and we watch TV and we play on our games. And all the time we are like sponges. So we are taking in everything from the exterior and holding it is true so your mum might say I believe in this so you should too and as a little boy or girl you're going to accept that as your own truth so over time what happens is we've built this kind of big gigantic belief system about the world and about our role in the world and we never think to challenge what we've learned because it's just what we've been used to One of the things that I have found after speaking with many people globally is that the ability to believe in ourselves has been tarnished because of how many times we've been rejected, how many times people say we can't do that, etc. So from very young, I was quite stubborn in the fact that I wouldn't allow anyone to tell me that I couldn't do anything. So even though I've had many rejections in my time, both playing football and also vocationally, I've always known that that doesn't have to define what I believe about myself. And I feel like each and every person can embody this truth that we all can shine in our own rights. We've all got our own divine kind of attributes, skill sets, and kind of ways we want to do things. So I think the one thing that I try to install in every single person I meet is self-belief because if we don't believe in ourselves, even an ounce, then who else is going to believe in us? Yeah, absolutely. Such good, wise words. And it's interesting. I've heard that as a pattern of behavior. It's a frequent pattern of behavior where someone says you can't do something and that person, you referred to it as being stubborn. You could call it grit, determination, bravery, all of that. You know, I I refer to myself as a bit of a stubborn ass, to be honest. Yeah, I love that. Um, (laughs) And uh, but but again, it's that typical don't tell me I won't I can't do something because I will bloody well do it. Mm. Um, And it's amazing what performance can come from that isn't it that's it I think that if we all have self-belief in whatever undertaking we are pursuing we're more likely to make it happen yeah we, we really are we're a lot more we're more likely to make it happen um, because there's just a good positive energy behind self-belief you know because everyone feels that if you believe in yourself, people feel that stuff and they are more likely to resonate with what you're trying to achieve. Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there was that study, wasn't there, with children? Um, I think it was the 60s or the 70s where there were correlations with what the teacher believed and how the students performed. And when the teachers believed they were intelligent, the performance went up. When they believed they weren't intelligent performance went down but the true the opposite was true in the study groups mm, that's interesting isn't um, it mm, yeah it is and but I also think that's that's the power of a leader as well you know demonstrating belief in someone how you can positively influence someone's performance and behavior and I'm I, not talking about blind belief but you know to I me mean? I agree with that wholeheartedly and I was quite fortunate, like I said, to be surrounded by such experts in their own fields. And I always had the encouragement from each individual um, to kind of push me forwards and propel. So I do get how kind of displaying that belief into someone else genuinely can help them kind of do better in life as well and and better in their undertakings, for sure. Mm. So to close, what would you say is your biggest insider secret? What would you like to share with people? Biggest insider secrets. 
you are able to alleviate your stress and anxiety in five minutes. Ah, oh, nice. With the tools and techniques that you've described earlier. Literally. Because what happens is we feel stress in moments. And when it happens in a moment, it takes over our whole being. Like the whole body is taken over by the stress. If we're able to incorporate the trigger of if I feel stressed, if I feel anxious, I should do X. X should be mindfully meditate and breathe. Use the breath to alleviate the issues. So that's the biggest thing that I found for myself, because like I said, my brain works at such a speed that sometimes in my past, if I didn't take care of my breathing, I would become overwhelmed and then it would become kind of crippling. So what I can say for everyone is when you feel stressed or anxious in the moment, just take two, three, four, five minutes to breathe um, mindfully and you can be astounded by the results. Yeah, no, I love it. Well, you really are a model of excellence. And as I say, I could feel your calm vibes during the podcast. How do people, how would you like people to connect with you? Is um, what, What's the best way? Sure. Um, if you want to kind of get connected and get acquainted vocationally, professionally, get me on LinkedIn. It's Will Mellers Blair. Or if you want to kind of get to know who I am on more of a um, extracurricular kind of see Will and hang out kind of vibes and get me on Instagram, um, it's W Mellers Blair. Lovely. And what about finding out about Fitpack? Is it all the W's, Fitpack? Yeah. So go on to LinkedIn and check out the company page. Um, it's Fitpack, F-I-T-P-A-C-K. Or if you want to kind of engage with our content more on a, uh, a lighter, more lighthearted vibe, then get us on Instagram. It's just Fitpack. Great. Lovely. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Also, also the website, go on www.fitpack.io. Lovely. No, that's great. Thank you so much loads of I've, I've been making loads of notes because there's just been so many nuggets of genius <laughs> i really appreciate uh, words. thank you for having me on estelle no it's been a pleasure thank you for listening to leader insider secrets you can help this podcast grow by leaving an honest review also if you want to get future episodes remember to hit subscribe Finally, if you're interested in working with me, you can book a free 30-minute discovery session or you can connect and access other resources in the link below. I'm Estelle Reed at B.Company, executive coach, trainer and author. This has been Leader Insider Secrets.